All right, we're talking about we're talking these days about scripture and specifically we're talking about the well-crafted life. We believe that every person who has been called by Jesus as one of his followers, every one of us has been called into a well-crafted life. And we think there are certain crafts that God has given to us that if you will, again, if you will lean into these crafts, they will help shape your life as a passionate and productive follower of Jesus. The five crafts are scripture and prayer and generosity and connection and service. And we've asked you in this season of our lives together that you would pick one of those crafts and focus on it. So maybe you're leaning into scripture or maybe you're leaning into prayer these days and you're focusing on that. We just want to help you lean into that craft and grow through it. And so we as a church have been spending some time talking about these various crafts as well. And right now we're talking about the craft of scripture. Now, in order to live a well-crafted life, in order to make progress uh, in the well-crafted life, it takes some discipline. So I've been meditating on Colossians lately, and one of the verses in Colossians that has struck me is this verse that says, Paul says to the church, he goes, whether I'm, whether I'm, uh, although I'm absent in body, nevertheless I'm with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good discipline and the stability of your faith in Christ. And I'm like, man, that's a key issue for us. If you're going to live a well-crafted life, there are disciplines to follow. And some of you go, oh, no, no, I'm bad at discipline. Yeah, oh, all right, I understand that. Nobody's got discipline easy, but he says, I want, you to, I want you to move forward in these disciplines. Now, one of the disciplines with Scripture is to read it. I mean, you got, you, got to get, you got to get into Scripture for Scripture to ever get into you. And until you get Scripture into you, it will never craft your life. Scripture only crafts your life when you get it into you. So, first discipline is you've got to begin to read it. And then it will begin to get into you as well. So we start to read Scripture. Then we go, okay, another discipline with Scripture is to memorize it, like to, like to put some of it down into your memory. And so we just said, let's just do this together as a group. And I, it's not that easy to memorize Scripture anyway, and it's not that easy to memorize it as a group, but we've been trying to memorize Scripture together as a group. We got, this, we got these verses that we've been working on, and we've been saying them together, right? 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. And uh, so we're all trying to learn these together. If this is your first day with us, you're behind, but it's okay. No one's going to go, look, they're behind. Because they're behind all, you know, they, maybe they're behind all, so it's not that easy. But we're doing this together, and we're learning some scripture. So we're going to practice today. All right, we're going to put it up on the screen, make it easy for you. Look, there's all the words right there. We're going to say this all together, and, uh, and I'll say it with you, and I want you to say it with feeling. All right, none of that, none of that all church reading mumble, mumble stuff. Then we're going to say it with feeling. Okay, Genesis 3, 16 and 17, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be fully equipped for every good work. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. And I used the wrong word in the last line. Yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. Hmm. That's all right. We're all learning how it goes right now. You got, how many of you, when you were doing it that time, you were looking at the words? Yeah, be honest. It's all right. How many of you were looking at me? Oh, one or two. Okay, that means you got it down cold. Good for you. That's, okay, I'm, now here's one of my memorization techniques. Sometimes I just take some words away. So let's just take some of the words away. Oh. Oh, there we go. Now we're going to say it all together with feeling without some of the words up there. Are you ready? 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is God-breathed 
and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Yeah. All right. Now that's pretty good. Let's do it with some more words taken away. All right, I'll coach you on. I might drop out because I want to hear how you're doing. Let's just see how this one goes. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Right on. That was awesome. Some of you are like, no, that was weak. <laughs> no, it was awesome. It was awesome. Great job. Now keep after that because that's a discipline. That memorization of Scripture is a discipline that will shape your life, that will help you build a well-crafted life. And we think that's what God has for you. Now, there's an advantage of having Scripture memorized. Even if you only know two verses of Scripture, to have a little bit of it memorized gives you an advantage because there's another discipline that I want to give you today regarding the Scriptures and how you get it into your life, and that discipline is called meditation. Every major religion practices meditation, but every major religion does it differently. And when you talk about Uh, the Christian faith, and you talk about meditation, meditation is always linked to the scriptures. So if you have the scripture down in your heart, you're able to go, oh, I've got it here. Now I can meditate on this. I can think about this. And I want to describe for you a little bit what that meditation looks like as you build this discipline or this craft into your life. If you have your Bible with you, why don't you open up to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. If you don't have your Bible, maybe you've got your smartphone, you can use the Bible app that's on there. We've got some notes in there for you. Uh, I think we've got some Bibles out in the hallway if you need to pick up one of those. That's fine. Bring your Bible to church. That'd be really helpful. Psalm 119. It's the longest chapter in the Bible. Every verse in Psalm 119, 178 verses, every verse talks about the Bible. Every verse in it talks about the Scripture. So let me read some of these verses that... Uh, Talk about the scripture here from Psalm 119. So let's look at verse 97. Psalm 119, verse 97, it says, Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. And some of you are like, well, that guy doesn't work where I work. Because I'm busy, man. I got things to do. I don't know how you're going to meditate on the Bible like all day long. Well, okay, maybe you have things to do when you're in your cubicle. But what about when you walk from one cube to another one? What are you doing then? You know, or what if you're, if you're walking from the teacher's lounge back to the classroom? What are you doing then? Or when you're on the road between calls, what are you doing then? He goes, I, I meditate on your word all day long. And he starts off by saying, I love it. I love your word. I love your law. I love your scripture. Last week we talked about becoming friends with your Bible. We said to become friends with your Bible, you have to begin to understand the context of the Bible. You have to understand the context of the words, and you have to understand the context of the community, the context of the culture. When you begin to do those things, you begin to become friends with your Bible. Here's the psalm writer, and he goes, how I love your law, which is another word for the scripture. He goes, I I love it. He's a friend of his Bible. That's beautiful. Now, the next one I want you to see is verse 99, a couple verses down. The psalm writer says, I have more insight than all my teachers. 
which has been my son's motto since middle school. <laughs> oh, I, Dad, this class doesn't make any difference. I know all this stuff already. I'm like, it's really amazing. They pay an adult a full-time salary to teach you things you already know. I'm like, okay, finish the verse. I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. Insight comes from meditation. Insight in the scriptures comes from meditation. One of the gifts that God gave to us here at Lakeside Church when we have three lead pastors is we get to share the teaching responsibility. And it means each one of us has more time for reflection. Each one of us has more time for meditation. That ought to lead to more insight in how we understand the scriptures. That's a gift for us. But that's true in your life too. Insight comes from meditation. So you go, man, I read the Bible and I didn't get that much out of it. Well, that's because you only practiced one discipline with the Scripture. You read it. Nice job. But, but now put it into your heart, like 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Put it into your heart. And then not just that, but then meditate on it. Because now insight comes from the meditation. And then Psalm, 140, one, Psalm 119, verse 148. A lot of numbers in this one. Verse 148 says, My eyes stay open through the watches of the night that I may meditate on your promises. Can I just say, I hate it when my eyes stay open through the watches of the night. I'm like, it's nighttime here. I'm trying to sleep. And I don't, I don't know how your sleep patterns go. Mine have changed over the years. But now I find out I go to bed. I'm tired when I go to bed. I go right to sleep. Never have trouble going to sleep. It's about that 2.30 in the morning when I wake up, and then I'm like, I'm, now I'm awake. And my eyes are awake during the night watches. I'm like, this is not fun. And I want to go right back to sleep. But here's a psalm writer. He goes, I keep my eyes open through the watches of the night. Or another translation says, I anticipate the watches of the night. I anticipate the watches of the night. My son-in-law is a peace officer, and he just got assigned to the night shift. Two weeks ago, they're working, now he's working on the night shift. How many of you work on the night shift? Anybody? <laughs> night shift workers only come on Saturday night. Half the room night shift workers on Saturday night. It was fascinating. So two of you, I have great sympathy for two of you. It's fantastic that you're able to do this. But So my son-in-law is trying to figure out how to do the night shift, and my daughter is trying to figure out how to do family stuff when her husband works on the night shift. And, you, you know, he comes home and sleeps in the day, and you've got to be quiet all day, and you've got an 11-month-old baby, and it's like, oh, this is, it, this is hard. And yet here's this psalm writer. He goes, I anticipate the watches of the night. Here's why. Here's why I think he anticipated it like this. I think he was a shepherd. I don't know if it was King David that wrote this in his younger years. I'm not sure. But I think maybe it was another shepherd or David that wrote this psalm. And when the shepherds were out in the fields watching their flocks by night, as it were, they usually weren't out there alone. Unless they only had two or three sheep, they weren't out there alone. There were two shepherds or four shepherds or five shepherds watching the sheep. And they wouldn't all take the night shift every night. Somebody had to sleep for the day shift. But every night, somebody would take the night shift. And here's the psalm writer, and he goes, I just anticipate it when I get the time to do the night shift. Because when I'm on for the night shift, that's when I meditate on God's word. And it's quiet, and nobody's around. It's just me and the sheep and the stars. And that's when I meditate on Scripture. 
I anticipate the watches of the night. So here's what, when I wake up, I just, have, I just have a pattern. When I wake up in the middle of the night, I've got, I'm working through Colossians. And I'm meditating on the book of Colossians. And I just start chapter 1 or chapter 2, wherever I am currently. I'm like, okay. That, and I just start reflecting on the scriptures. I don't anticipate it like the psalmist did. But if I'm awake, I'm going to take advantage of it. And I meditate on those scriptures during the night. Now, what does the word meditate mean? So he's like, I, I have more insight than all my teachers. Why? Because I meditate on God's word and I anticipate the watches of the night. Why? So I can meditate on God's word. What does it look like to meditate on something? Well, the word that he uses in verse 148, it's the Hebrew word siach, which you don't have to remember, but it's a word that can be translated muse or complain or sigh. Well, that's weird. Why would you complain about the scripture? Why would you go, I anticipate the watches of the night so I can complain? Well, that's what some of us do when we're awake all night. But that's not what he's talking about. Another way to say this, another way to think about this word, it's, it's kind of like what we think about when we say we stew on something. Anybody, anybody ever stew on something? Anybody a stewer? Don't be, don't be shy. Be proud. I'm a, I'm a stewer. Anybody like that? Yeah. You guys who are stewers, do you usually stew on the good things or the bad things in life? Both, both. Mostly, I think you stew on bad things. I mean, I, that's just kind of the, I'm, I'm a stewer sometimes. I, stew, I don't stew on it if it's good. It's like, well, that's good. Go on, move on, you know. Let me find the next bad thing so I can stew on something. <laughs> he, says, he says, in effect, I stew on the scriptures. What would happen if those of us who stew on the bad things change our perspective. We said, I'm going to stew on the scriptures instead. My wife this week, uh, my wife's a good cook, and we were having our small group over for dinner uh, this week, and uh, she decided to make beef bourguignon. I'm telling you, I, I don't think I've ever had beef bourguignon before. But you know, do you know what beef bourguignon is? Stew. It's just stew. Are you kidding me? It's stew. Who cares? It's just beef stew. Yeah, but when you call it bourguignon, it's remarkably different than stew. And I walked into the house that day, and there was beef bourguignon all through the air. Smelled so good. I'm having it for lunch today. It's amazing. Now, well, come on over. I got a lot left. Uh, If you all come over, she'll have to make more. Um, So you'll have to be patient. But... It smelled so good in my house that night. What would happen if you took all those bad things you stewed on and you changed the aroma? I mean, when you stew on those bad things, does it make it smell good? No, what does it smell? Never mind what it smells like. It's a mess. I'll tell you, it smells like a mess. And what if you changed that? You said, I'm going to stew on the scriptures. I'm going to meditate on the scriptures. That's what he's saying. There's another verse in, in Psalm 119, verse 15 where he also talks about meditating, and he says, I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. So meditating and considering are parallel words in that context. And so if you, if you learn what one means, you'll kind of learn what the other one means. Well, consider means to look at something for a long time. There's a glance. You can have a glance at something, and sometimes people take a glance at the Scriptures. Like, oh, yeah, I read that, and they go on their way. Or sometimes they consider it. They look at it for a long time, like they gaze at it. And when you gaze at it, it makes a difference. 
Gazing at it is much more like meditation. You spend time on it. You look at it for a long time. That's meditation. As you come to the scriptures, one of the disciplines we need to develop in our lives is the ability and the willingness to meditate on these things that God has given to us. Now, I want to make this practical for you today. I don't want you just to go out and go, oh, all right, we should meditate on the scripture. Let me just give you some things that suggest how this works. Number one, it's meditation starts with reading, which is unfortunate for some of us because some of us haven't read a book since high school. I got a friend, he went, through, he went all the way through college, got a bachelor's degree, he read, he, he read one book. I'm like, how did you get through college and you only read one book? How did that work? You know, he goes, I just didn't like to read. All right, well, that's, it's kind of hard when you come to the scripture, you go, and the you know, guy up front's going, hey, you ought to read the Bible. But let me just give you a thing. You got to read the Bible. Can't make it easy for you. Now you can use the Bible app and let somebody else read it to you. That's fine. That's not lazy. That's just a different way to do it. But you got to get into it some way. Start with a reading, start with a reading plan. The, the hunt and peck method of, of Bible reading, you know, is not all that effective. Oh, I think I'll read this one. And oh, I think I'll read this one over here. And jumping around like that is not all that effective in understanding the context of the Scripture. So start a reading plan. Whether you get it through the Bible app, whether you start at the beginning and you go to the end, whether you start at one of the Gospels like Matthew or Mark or Luke or John, where you're learning the life of Jesus... Start somewhere and read through it. And then, med- and then memorize it. That's the next part of meditation because it's really hard to meditate on something that you've got to keep reading. And once you get it in here, it's a lot easier to meditate on it. And then, and then know this. Meditation takes different forms. When you're meditating, it can take different forms. So, for example, me- meditation can take the form of chewing Meditation can take the form of chewing. So, um, you know how cows work? More or less, right? I mean, we're all kind of no more or less. How many stomachs does a cow have? Two, four, six, eight. Uh, no, four. They have four, I think is really how, and, you know, maybe in a world, world, some of them have three, but mostly they have four stomachs. And here's how it works. They, they eat grass. Why, I don't know. But they eat grass, and they chew it up, and then where does it go? Down in the stomach. And it digests a little bit in there, and then, and I'm telling you, time out. If I was teaching junior hires right now, this story would get a lot more exciting, but I'm going to refrain. So anyway, that's, that grass is down in there in the stomach for a while, and then what happens to it? Comes back up. Yeah. And then what's a cow do? I mean, what would you do if it came back up? No, never mind, never mind. You don't, you don't want to think about that. But when it comes back up for the cow, he goes, yum. Like, awesome, I got grass again. Then they chew it up again. And then they swallow it down again. That's meditation. <laughs> oh, it just made it really appealing to you, didn't I? Junior hires would love that. Oh, that's meditation, I got to get after that. That's cool, I got to do that. No, it just means you, you take it in, you digest it, you chew on it some more, you digest it, you chew on it some more, and it becomes part of who you are. That's what happens. Sometimes meditation just takes the form of chewing. Sometimes it takes the form of questions. When you've got a verse in your head, like all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, when you've got something like that in your head, you can ask questions about it. And sometimes meditation takes the form of questions. Here's some questions that I try and ask when I'm meditating. Uh, Like, for example, why did the author choose this word? 
Maybe there were synonyms. He could have chosen another word. Why did he choose this word? Or what could he have said instead of this word or instead of this sentence? Or maybe I'll ask, was there another way to say this more softly? You know, it's like the Bible sometimes comes across real strong in our face. And I want to know, was there another way to say this more softly? Or maybe, you know, maybe I say, you know, was there another way to say this more boldly? Why did he back off on this? Why did he say it so tenderly in this case instead of right in our face? And I want to ask what the difference would be. That's part of meditation. Maybe I would ask, uh, what's the most important word in this verse? Or what's the most important phrase in this paragraph that I'm meditating on? What's the most important one? And why is it most important? And maybe sometimes I'll ask, do I like this verse? You, you, you can't ask that because it's the Bible. You have, to, you have to like it. It's like spinach. You have to like it. No, you don't. In fact, you might grow more if you just got in tune with your own spirit and you go, wow, I don't like that one. Then you can say, well, why not? Or if you go, I really like that verse, then you can say, well, why do I like it so much? And maybe you find in the verses that you like, you're lining up with God's heart. And maybe when you get to the verses you don't like, you realize, yeah, I'm in this place, I'm not really lining up with God's heart. Related to that, maybe you could ask a question that says, uh, do I agree with this verse? And again, some of you go, you have to agree with it. It's the Bible. You don't have to agree with it if you're human. Now, before you all run out, you know, screaming like your pastor's a heretic, I absolutely, I absolutely believe the Bible. But does everything that it says sit well with me? No, because sometimes I'm not in line with God's heart. And when I ask the question, do I agree with this? It helps me to meditate on God's word and go, all right, if I'm disagreeing with God's word, what's messed up, God's word or my heart? But that kind of reflection only begins because I'm willing to ask the question, do I agree with that or not? So I can let that light shine on my own soul. Then I want to ask at the end of my meditation, what do I need to do with this verse or with this passage What does God want me to act on based on what I'm reading? Questions. Sometimes meditation takes the form of questions. Sometimes meditation takes the form of confession. You're reading something and you're meditating on something in Scripture. And as you're meditating on it, all of a sudden you realize, oh, there's this thing between God and me and I've got to talk to him about it. Or maybe as you're meditating on it, you go, oh, there's this thing between my friend and me. And we need to talk about it. And sometimes communication. Sometimes meditation leads to confession. And sometimes meditation takes the form of music. Do you know that musing and music come from the same root word? Did you all know that before? Because I didn't know that till this week. I'm like, I'm behind. If you want to muse on something, which is another word for meditation, sometimes music helps. Sometimes music is meditation. Do you know when Josh hears a new song, he hears that song. I, I, know, I know this happens sometimes with him. He'll hear a new song, and then he hits that double arrow backward thing, the rewind. Used to, they used to call it rewind. I don't think they call it that anymore. Replay, redo, do over. I don't know, but he pushes that button and listens to the song again. I'm like, you already heard it once. Move on. It's a whole album. It's not just one song. Everybody goes back and listens to it again. Do you know that before the band comes to play and lead us in worship, you know every one of these people, they play each of those songs like 10 or 12 times before they get to practice with one another? You know what they've been doing for those 10 or 12 times? They've been meditating. 
And then, do you know that they get together early on Sunday morning and they practice together and they go through a song maybe 10 or 12 times together in their practice before we get to hear it? And you come in and you hear it one time and you go, that's going to be good for me. You haven't even started to meditate on it yet. And yet those songs that are put to music, so often they're just telling the story of Scripture, maybe in different words, maybe in a paraphrase, but they're just giving God's Word in a different format, and it helps you to muse on who God is. You know, sometimes, sometimes songs have a repeating chorus. You know that, why the re- chorus repeats? It's so you'll meditate on that. And sometimes you have to take the scriptures and repeat them and repeat them and repeat them, just like you do with music, because that's when you meditate on that. And that's when it begins to change your soul. You want to live a well-crafted life as a follower of Jesus? Scripture is a huge part of that. And meditating on the Scripture is a huge part of that because it's in the meditation process that it gets way down deep in our soul and it changes us. And that's what it's for, to transform our lives. It starts when you choose a passage and pick a time and say, I'm going to be a meditator. On the scriptures. Lord, thank you for loving us like you do. Thank you for giving us your book, your heart, your word. So grateful for that. Lord, I'm grateful for my friends here in the room. I'm grateful that we have copies of your book. We have copies of the scripture. We can turn straight to it. I'm grateful that we're learning some verses together and we can go straight to those. And in the watches of the night, We can reflect on those verses and we can ask questions about them and we can chew them over and we can say them again and again and again as a chorus would in a song. And in the midst of that process, Lord, you change us. So my prayer is that you would, that we would live out that craft in our lives and that you would be shaping us and changing us with what we know, with what you say. Lord, thank you. We honor you together through Jesus. Amen.